This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. We recorded the following segment on Super Tuesday before any results had been reported. The Nation has endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. For comment, we turn to D.D. Guttenplan. He's editor of the magazine. Don, welcome back. Thanks, John. Great to be back. Well, tell us about the thought process that went into this endorsement. Sure. Well, you know, as your listeners will know, the nation has been advocating for both Sanders and Warren for months now uh, because we think they're both genuine progressives and because we we saw a great deal to admire in both of their campaigns. And indeed, I wrote an editorial some weeks ago advocating for a joint ticket. So what has changed? Well, one thing that's changed is that we've now had uh, the four early state primaries, uh, and we know the shape of the field. And uh, another thing that's changed is that we decided that if we were going to have an impact in endorsing, we wanted to endorse before Super Tuesday, uh, because we wanted to have you know, the possibility of shaping people who were still undecided. Uh, we also held a debate here in New York on Monday between Sanders supporters and Warren supporters at the New School that had you know, several hundred people in the room, but it had hundreds of thousands of people watching it online. And then we had staff meetings where we discussed this, and we had an editorial board meeting here at The Nation on Friday. So it's been a long process. And where we came out, as you can tell from the headline of the endorsement, is that we endorsed Bernie Sanders and his movement. And those last three words are crucial to our thinking in the endorsement and in this election. You know, there was plenty of time for intellectual debate as to who might make a better candidate or president, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. We felt that those were the only two that our readers would be likely to consider because they were both the progressive candidates in this race. But that is not the moment we're in. You know, we're in a moment where Sanders is the front runner. He put together a broad-based, multiracial, multi-ethnic coalition in Nevada, which included many voters of color. And that's uh, so far a unique achievement in this season. Uh, And certainly something that Warren has signally failed to do. So given that the three candidates who have actual plausible pathways to victory and to the nomination are Sanders, Bloomberg, and Biden, uh, we felt it was time to weigh in on the side of Bernie Sanders and his movement, which is what gives him a pathway to victory and indeed has brought him this far. Let's talk about going into Super Tuesday, what Bernie had already achieved. Bernie demonstrated that you can really wage a viable competitive campaign without relying on wealthy donors, corporate funders, or PAC money. And if he'd only done that, he would have changed political history. But he did a lot more than that, as we know. You know, he he shifted the discourse farther left than any other candidate for president since Franklin Delano Roosevelt's second term. So that, remember, in, in the Obama administration, the public option was too far left to be considered. Now the public option is the refuge of moderates, and the progressive choice is Medicare for all. But it's not just Medicare for all. It's the Green New Deal. It's free public higher education. It's cancellation of student debt. It's housing as a human right. These are all issues which Bernie Sanders has dragged onto the political agenda. The nation endorsed Bernie four years ago. Uh, Is anything different this time? Well, I think in many ways everything is different this time. (laughs) 
Four years ago, the question was, do you want four more years of Obama, or do you think we should go for something more radical? This time, the question is, who can beat Donald Trump? Yeah. And can you beat Donald Trump by promising four more years of Obama, which is the best that Biden can promise? Uh, and is that promise, first of all, is it credible? And second of all, is it going to really persuade enough voters? You know, didn't we try that with Hillary Clinton? And how do you prove electability? Because, you know, electability is one of those terms that people always throw around when they're basically trying to say, well, yes, but I still prefer this candidate to your candidate. Yeah. You know, the Democratic way to prove electability is to run for office and get the most votes. And at this point, Bernie Sanders has done that. Where does that leave the Elizabeth Warren supporters who had a perfectly good argument that while she has the same policy goals, she would be better at governing. She, of course, is younger, and it would be great to vote for a woman. Is that debate over now? Well, we don't close the door on that debate. Look, I'm not going to tell anybody who wants to vote for Elizabeth Warren that they shouldn't or that they're wasting their vote. And I'm frankly not going to argue with anybody who thinks that Elizabeth Warren might make a better president than Bernie Sanders. I mean, you know, you can argue both sides of that question. I don't think there's any dispositive <laughs> way to settle that question. But I think what is different and what is settled is who has appealed to voters successfully. And more than that, who has assembled a movement to carry their campaign through the primary process, through the conventions, and to defeat Donald Trump. And on that, I'm afraid there is no more disputing between Sanders and Warren. So the question for Warren supporters at this moment is really the oldest question in politics, which is which side are you on? Well, the nation endorsement says Sanders has two weapons that none of his competitors can match. What are they? One of those weapons is consistency. As we've seen, Joe Biden has been willing to lie about getting arrested uh, to help the black freedom struggle in South Africa. He claims he was arrested. He's claimed several times he was arrested after going to see uh, Nelson Mandela or to try and help Nelson Mandela, which turns out to be false. But Bernie Sanders was actually arrested in the American black freedom struggle before Joe Biden was old enough to vote. You know, he's been saying, as everybody knows, he's been saying the same things for 30 years. And I think in, in a field where you've seen somebody like Pete Buttigieg, who's willing to say one thing one day and another thing the next day, the fact that Sanders hasn't changed his tune is actually an advantage and a great comfort to people because they trust him. So that's one of the weapons. And the other weapon he has is the movement, you know, that he really has brought together this working class movement of women and men of all races of all faiths and none who are prepared to stand up and demand economic justice well the nation endorsement highlights bernie's commitment to expanding the electorate as kind of the the fundamental task of the democratic party but several pundits have pointed to evidence in the last couple of days that while Bernie has gotten the most votes of all the Democratic candidates, the total number of his voters is not expanding compared to four years ago. Michelle Goldberg at the New York Times wrote on Super Tuesday, to prevail in November with Bernie, Democrats would need unheard of rates of youth turnout. Young people, of course, are the least likely to register and vote. And so her conclusion is by nominating Sanders, 
Democrats would be trading some of the electorate's most reliable voters, she's talking about older suburban moderates, for some of the least reliable young people who haven't voted before. Did the nation's endorsers uh, consider this issue? That point of view is based on either a lie or a false premise. I mean, let's start, let's start with the part that simply isn't true. If you look at the, the vote totals in a primary that Bernie Sanders lost in South Carolina, okay, his total went up by 10% over 2016, whereas Biden in South Carolina got fewer votes than Hillary Clinton got in South Carolina. It, it's true that Bernie's theory of change, as he always says, depends on massive turnout. And it's also true that if he doesn't produce massive turnout, he's not going to win enough primaries to be the nominee. I mean, that's not something you have to like argue about. You can just watch and it'll either happen or not happen. Right. But it's also true, and it's important to point out, that while Bernie's theory of change may be flawed, nobody else has a convincing theory of change. I mean, Biden's theory of change is, despite being tarred with being the servant of the banks and credit card companies, despite being the man who eulogized Strom Thurmond, and despite you know all his many disadvantages that make him a worse candidate than Hillary Clinton, he can run a Clinton-esque campaign and somehow beat Donald Trump because after four years people were sick of Trump? I mean, if you talk about a long shot or a crackpot theory, that seems to me to be a crackpot theory. So sure, Sanders' theory of victory has a vulnerability, which is that it relies on large turnout. I would argue not just on large youth turnout, but for example, large Latinx turnout. Are those people really going to turn out for Mike Bloomberg or for Joe Biden? We shall see. So in the end, what, what is the fundamental question of this election for the nation? We live in an age of state repression and voter suppression. And yet the fundamental question remains for all of us, the oldest one, which side are you on? The nation is on the side of hope, not fear. We're on the side of radical change, not retrenchment and retreat. This is an amazing, terrifying, exhilarating, and potentially empowering moment. And we think that voting for Bernie Sanders is the best way to seize this moment, to endorse his movement, and to move towards justice. Don Guttenplan, thanks so much for talking with us today. Always great to have you on the show. Always great to be on, John. Thanks. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.